0: Hello and welcome back. In this episode, I will continue with the Brian Schaefer story and I will include a part which is uh, sort of a bit controversial. Uh, we know that there are different theories about how Brian Schaeffer disappeared that night. So in this episode I will sort of push one of those theories more and uh, but also it doesn't mean ...that this is the only thing that could have happened that night. And we will explore other theories as well in this series. And try to give an original approach. Many of the podcasts that's been made about Brian Schaefer are sort of similar, if I can say that. Um, and of course, they focus on uh, on other cases as well. But the theory of what could have happened to Brian is... Uh, is an interesting part in this uh, in this mystery. Of course, uh, we all would like to know what happened, but it sort of leans to uh, the time aspect. It's been a uh, quite a long time actually since he vanished, and uh, you would probably have expected something, uh, some sort of trail or lead or evidence any type of contact or sighting there is basically nothing out there so I will explore one possible answer onto what might have happened and and I know that there are other views out there but uh, but after this episode like I mentioned I will try to explore other theories as well so I hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, and also have a look at my Instagram account that I've set up. Uh, there are interesting pictures of Brian there. And I will continue to add uh, pictures and material there that I've found, so to say, along the way. So I'll hope that you enjoy this one. Okay, let's go. So what happened to Brian then? Do we know? Does anyone know? So far, not a single thread of evidence has surfaced on what might have happened to Brian or where he might be. Years have passed since that day in 2006. Technical advancements in information technology and the release of social media has changed the lives of billions of people. We are together and connected like never before. Yet no message, no comment, no like, no pictures, no video attributed to this man. Complete radio silence. Nothing, zero, nada across five continents in almost 15 years. Amongst all the theories ascribed to Brian Schaeffer's disappearance, could another missing person's case, perhaps then, help explain what might have happened to Brian that 1st of April. Together with me in this episode, I have the honor of presenting Giulia Montanari. Giulia lives in Northern Italy and works in a small town that has seen its own version of the Brian Schaeffer case back in 2011. Hi Giulia and welcome.
1: Hi Edo and thank you so much for having me now.
0: Giulia has looked into a case in Italy Where an older gentleman left everyone completely perplexed as to what might have happened to him. Mr. Primo Zanoli vanished out of the blue from a crowded hospital with no traces whatsoever left behind. Eventually, after many years, an answer would be revealed. And that answer might just bring some more light on what could have happened to Brian. We just need to follow the trail. Because sometimes the most unlikely of theories might be the ones that hold. This is the sound of a wheeled stretcher. Two morticians, are rolling the stretcher on a paved path outside the Sant'Agostino Agostino hospital building in Modena, Italy. They are on their way to a hospital corridor to retrieve the remains of a person found inside the hospital building itself. The daughters of Primo Zanoli have just been notified by the family lawyer that there is a possibility that this could be the remains of their beloved father. They are summoned to the hospital and they are patiently waiting for a clarification they have been patiently awaiting an answer on his disappearance for the last three years a long agony without a single thread of information on what might have happened to him could this be the day they finally receive a response some information something julia you're an italian true crime buff and a mystery enthusiast the disappearance of mr primo zanoli is local to you and you live and work In the area where this happened. Take us through this story from the beginning. Who was Primo Zanoli and what initially happened to him?
1: So, uh, Mr. Zanoli was a 64 years old retired farmer living in Castelnuovo Rangone. It's a small town in northern Italy. And he suffered a stroke in December 2011 and was being treated at the hospital in Modena. And he seemed to be recovering quite well after surgery, but then his family members received the most bewildering of phone calls on New Year's Eve. And the hospital personnel told Zanoli's family that their loved one has disappeared from the hospital bed and could not be found.
0: What were the circumstances at this hospital ward uh, when he vanished? How could he have just suddenly disappeared while being hospitalized?
1: Yeah, and that's the question that everyone has been asking for three years. Like the hospital we're talking about is huge and I mean gigantic. It's a sprawling complex of newly constructed buildings and it's still partially under construction today. So I've been there several times uh, during the years and it's actually quite easy to get lost in it. It's a labyrinth. And uh, um, Mr. Zanoli, he actually disappeared twice from his hospital bed before he disappeared uh, on New Year's Eve. But the first two times he was quickly found, one time the poor man actually climbed into another patient's bed, thinking it was his own, because the medication he was taking after the stroke uh, its a cocktail of medications, really, and they can make people agitated, disoriented. So he wandered off his room and found himself down the wrong corridor, and it's quite easy to do so. But from that moment on, the hospital staff kept him sedated, to prevent this from happening again because they were worried he could injure himself. But on that fateful night then where he disappeared, nobody could find him anywhere and so a frantic search was launched.
0: Okay, so what was the uh, response from the authorities? Did uh, anyone look for him in an organized
1: manner? Yeah, to say? yeah they, they did. And it was like a really big manhunt. I mean, policemen, t- Firefighters, lots of volunteers participated in the search for that missing man because, I mean, he was well liked and lots of people wanted to find him. And search dogs were uh, used and a helicopter to look for him. And, you know, it was midwinter with snow outside, it was freezing. So Mr. Zanoli was only wearing a pajama and a pair of socks when he disappeared. And if they wanted to find him alive they had to find him quickly because you cannot survive an italian winter in only like a flannel pajama
0: do we know how the family reacted to all of this
1: yeah i mean they were bewildered and they were worried and they were like very very active from the very beginning and they never stopped looking for him they showed like a truly remarkable dedication they spent vast amount of energy and time and money trying to bring their loved one home. They organized searches and vigils, and they hired private investigators with their own money. They even went on national TV. They appeared on a TV program named "Chilavisto," that is the Italian for Have You Seen Him? It's a TV show. So it's very popular, following the search for missing people. And mm-hmm. it actually helped find missing people before... Uh, mainly older people suffering from dementia, they wander away from their houses, sometimes runaway kids. And the family also set up a Facebook page called uh, Don't Forget Primo Zanoli. And uh, I mean, that's admirable because people from my area are very private. They keep them themselves to themselves. They don't really like to appear on TV. And uh, public displays of, of emotions are pretty rare. And the fact that the family was willing to make not one but more than one appeal on tv to find him showed just how much they cared for him and this kind of backfired a bit because after the show aired a few people actually came forward with the tips. Uh, a barmaid thought she met him and several people were absolutely sure that they've seen him in a pizza place in Modena talking with an acquaintance of him. And those sightings made the investigation even more difficult because police now had to take into account the possibility of a voluntary disappearance that he went missing voluntarily. And they spent valuable time uh, interrogating people and looking for him outside. Uh, But the family kept insisting he couldn't possibly have left the hospital in the conditions he was in and so must still be there somewhere.
0: So, what did the authorities conclude had happened to Primo Zanoli?
1: Well, since they could not find him inside the hospital, and people kept coming forward saying they saw him, like around Modena, the authorities concluded that he had somehow wandered off the building and got lost in the rural area surrounding the place, because um, the hospital complex is located outside the city of Modena, in a sparsely populated territory. It's, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, really. There's plenty of wooded areas one can get lost in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only problem is uh, Mr. Zanoli was not like in peak health. He was recovering from surgery and he was under heavy medication. He was barely able to walk, uh, let alone run for kilometers barefoot in a hospital gown in winter. And I mean, it's not something he would have done. He was a quiet, private person, not the kind of man who would just up and disappear voluntarily. He rarely even left his house. I mean, he sometimes went to his daughter's house to babysit like his grandson, or he took a walk to the local bar to have some coffee, but that was that.
0: But eventually something was discovered, right?
1: Yeah, in October, 2014, almost three years after he disappeared. Under very intense pressure from the Zanoli family, the hospital hired a private investigation company, uh, it's named Sheridan, and they resumed the search. So the family was absolutely 100% convinced that the body had to be somewhere in the hospital, that at the time of Mr. Zanoli's disappearance was still an open building site. And as it turned out, they were right. After just one day of search, mummified remains of a man were located at the bottom of an unused ventilation shaft. It's a sort of a narrow tunnel, about 10 meters deep. It's only accessible from the top floor of the hospital that was still unfinished. And this deep tunnel ends into a slightly larger utility room that was about three meters wide. And nobody really knows how Mr. Zanoli managed to get to this construction site and also how policemen and firefighters and private detectives and volunteers managed to miss his body for so long.
0: And have they come out with what they think happened?
1: Well, they, they have a pretty likely theory and the theory goes as follows. So the medication that Mr. Zanoli was taking... It makes him agitated, disoriented, so the hospital staff administers him a sedative. But instead of making him sleep, somehow the drug does the opposite. It makes him even more restless and agitated, so that the thing failed spectacularly. The nurses that were on shift that night uh, are called to the ER because of an emergency, so Mr Zanoli is left unattended for some time and instead of sleeping as he should have done, he gets up from his bed and wanders off his room and somehow finds himself on the unfinished top floor of the hospital. And nobody knows exactly how this might have happened and the circumstances surrounding the whole thing because there should have been more than one locked door between his door and this unfinished top floor, that it was dangerous. And all of those doors should have had alarm systems and they should have gone off when opened, but for some reason they didn't. And I mean, maybe forgot, somebody forgot to lock them and to turn the alarm on. And there's all sorts of theories about the reason why. I mean, perhaps people working in the ho- hospital, the staff use them to go up and take a smoke or somebody, yeah. somebody says uh, construction workers, used the, those doors as a shortcut or uh, maybe they malfunctioned and the hospital never fixed them. Who knows, really? But I mean, it happened. And once uh, Mr. Zaloli finds himself in the worksite, it's cold, it's dark, the place is a maze of building material and he's also very confused, so he falls down the air shaft. But the fall is not what kills him, it only breaks his leg. He then, he's injured, it's cold, he tries to shelter himself from the cold, and he crawled into a corner of this slightly bigger utility room at the bottom. And this makes it extremely difficult to to see him from the roof. Mm. And the ball went undetected for three years and was only found with the help of a flexible arm camera.
0: Wow. What did the family like how how did the family settle with this uh, situation then when his body was uh, discovered
1: Yeah well they were, they were furious so the hospital was absolutely responsible for Mr. Zanoli's death or at least in part Mr. Zanoli's condition were never properly evaluated and the, the doctors should have realized he could have been a danger to himself and they should have monitored him more closely I mean, he had wandered off his room at least two times before, so it was not uh, something that never happened. Also, the combination of drugs that was administered to him was probably not the most appropriate one for him. But apart from that, the part of the building that was still under construction should have never been accessible to the patients. And also, the ventilation shaft should have been covered with a lid or a grate. It was really unsafe, even for the construction workers. So somebody messed up here. But I mean, to be yeah. fair, what happened to him was bizarre. It was a freak accident. The hospital staff and maybe the construction team should have been more careful, surely. But there's surely also an element of bad luck involved. I mean, what are the chances of something like that happening? But anyway, the family was furious, and I mean livid, and they dragged the hospital co- board in court. The trial lasted for years, and eventually they settled on a compensation amounting to 600,000 euros, which is wow. not bad, but they were, really, they were furious. They wanted them fired. The Zanoli family also accused authorities of having been careless in their search, Uh, as the ventilation shaft was really not that far from Mr. Zanoli's room, so it should have been more closely investigated. But the thing is, police became convinced that he had wandered off the building and maybe the place was not as carefully searched as it could have been. I see. Julia, you were familiar with uh,
0: what happened to Primo Zanoli, and later also you became aware of uh, Brian Schaeffer's case. Do you feel there is perhaps a connection?
1: Yeah, I I couldn't have help noticing the the similarities of the two cases. Uh, Both men went into the building and were never seen coming out. And okay, one of them was young and the other was um, an older man. But one was young and intoxicated and maybe even on drugs. And the other was under heavy medication. So there's a similarity here. And both buildings were partially under construction. One man wandered in the construction site and died there, and he was found years later only because the family never gave up, because if the family uh, somehow uh, gave up, he would have never been found, probably. And yeah. the other man, uh, Brian, could also have found himself in the middle of a construction site, and he was never found also. But, I mean, of course, the possibility that Brian just left the bar without being detected by the camera is also plausible and maybe he met with foul play elsewhere. But I wonder whether Brian met with a similar fate as Primo Zanoli, because construction sites are dangerous places and the building Brian went missing in is is huge, I mean, almost as big as a whole block, really.
0: Yeah, it is. It is actually, It's a, it's a very big building. But also we have the statements from the Columbus police. They have sort of notoriously disregarded this option that Brian could have uh, succumbed to an accident in the construction area. Uh, But uh, why do you think that is? in that case, that they have disregarded this option that his remains are still in the gateway building?
1: Well, it's hard to say, but even... Italian police disregarded the possibility that uh, Primo Zanoli was in the hospital. So maybe police just thought the area that was under construction was too difficult to walk through, even for a sober person, and much less an intoxicated one, as Brian likely was. And so uh, probably they they thought, no, that, that's impossible. But I think they underestimated how much stupid choices are made while drunk. So a place where yeah. you You probably would never walk in while sober, suddenly becomes uh, uh, very walkable, very simple if you're drunk. And uh, maybe he did just that. He thought he could walk in there and he couldn't. But I mean, there's more than just this case of people getting trapped, like behind the walls of a house or falling into a narrow space and dying and not being found for weeks. sometimes months or even years. I'm thinking uh, there's this case uh, about this poor woman, Mary Cerruti. Uh, she was a Texan woman. She fell down from a hole in the attic into like a small crawl space behind the wall of her, her own house. And her skeletal remains were only discovered years and years later. And even, <laughs> even more, uh, it's, it's a really terrible case, uh, Marisa Weber, Web or Weber, maybe, um, a, a young woman, a young American woman, she went missing, but her body was found wedged upside down behind a bookcase in her own home, the same home she shared with her own relatives, who had spent nearly two weeks looking for her, and she was behind the bookcase. I mean, freak accidents are not as rare or uncommon as people think, and it's not as rare, to miss people's remains, even in very much smaller buildings. So with this knowledge that you have about Primo Zanoli's
0: case, and it he eventually was found, uh, what sort of, would you, if you could, recommend the authorities and law enforcement back in the United States and Ohio to do? Could Brian be found, do you think?
1: I mean, if, if Brian really fell down some kind of, crawl space or, or hole or wedged himself behind some wall and maybe it was later sealed, the body could be nearly impossible to detect unless you use various advanced equipment. Now there's devices today that uh, weren't uh, weren't you couldn't use back then, they, mm-hmm. but can detect a human figure through walls and occlusions. So maybe they could try with that, but it's a, a a really huge place so they would have to work really hard if if they want to find him. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian's case always fascinated me and I really hope for his family and his friends that he's found so they can at least have some closure. Because uh, it must be terrible not to know what happened to your loved one, to be left wondering what happened to them, if they're still alive somewhere, if they are injured, if they're dead, if they're suffering, if they're at peace. So I, I really hope they resume the investigation and, and find him.
0: Wow. This was a, a really interesting uh, case and a conversation that you brought up. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing this with us. And uh, and I also hope that uh, with your knowledge, you can uh, uh, perhaps visit the pod and the series in a future episode.
1: Thank you so much for, for having me to for letting me talk about the the Zanoli case.
0: You're welcome, and thank you.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: The story of Primo Zanoli can be an eye-opener if it's looked at in the right manner, without any prejudice. Not to impose a new hard trail in the mystery of what might have happened to Brian, but just for the sake of common sense. Brian wasn't seen exiting the building nor has it been observed outside ever since either. The Columbus Police Department are to this day not sure on how Brian might have exited the building. All of the patrons, staff, band members, fans and friends of these same band members, in essence every living soul inside that building who frequented the bar, has been identified and seen leaving the place in one way or the other. The only one still marked down with an X is Brian Schaefer. The searches by CPD and others for Brian inside the Gateway building were thorough and they did what could have been expected at the time. The problem is not that the building wasn't thoroughly searched, and besides, authorities feel in general that they did the utmost to find Brian Schaefer. There is no arguing against this just can be added that at the time the searches were conducted, there was a routine paradigm sense over this undertaking. At that time, Brian could have been anywhere. Equal priority was set on all grounds. Not just in the gateway building itself, but all over the nearby areas, in rivers and even beyond these limits. When nothing was found, and the confusion on Brian's whereabouts grew even more, the scenery in the construction area in the gateway building was unfortunately shifting. The unavoidable daily and weekly transformation created over time by construction formed zones which resembled nothing of what it had been prior, when crews and policemen had swept through and dogs had sniffed their way forward. So when the events surrounding Brian Schiffer's disappearance became a total mystery and still are to this day, It became sort of too late. Had authorities wanted to revisit, sort of re-experience the last steps this young man undertook in this treacherous area, this area was nothing like it had been. His traces were built upon and involuntarily covered. And the mystery that was prior became even more obscured. One can only hope for another search in the spots where Brian most likely ventured off to And probably met his demise that night. With the best intention at hand and the latest technology at disposal. Thank you so much for listening. and uh, Tell a friend and uh, don't forget to subscribe to my pod. And I'll see you next time. Okay? Bye.